Hi, welcome to this teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David. I'm the pastor of Foundation Church and we are uh, in the second part now of our series called Restoration. And we're examining together over these next few weeks the book, the Old Testament book called Ezra. Why are we using Ezra? Well, uh, Ezra is all about God's people being restored back to God's place so that God's worship uh, can begin again. And so we're using this as a, um, a way to stir ourselves and remind ourselves as a church what we're all about and prepare ourselves as we go back uh, to gathered worship together, uh, hopefully in the not too distant future. We're going to see uh, three uh, standout features today of the community on mission that we see here in Ezra chapter 2. First of all, um, it has the trait of pioneering. Uh, secondly, it has the traits or the, the, you know, the, uh, the value of diversity. And thirdly, of connectedness. Uh, before we get there, though, a quick review of where we're at. Uh, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, are in exile. Uh, they've been living under captivity of the people of Babylon for uh, 50 or so years. Uh, and yet now the book of Ezra, the beginning of the book of Ezra, people are stirred. They're stirred by God. Um, to return back to Jerusalem and to begin building again the temple. Not only were the people of Israel stirred, of course, but we saw uh, King Cyrus, the king of the Persian Empire, the leader of the known world at that time, who replaced uh, the Babylonian Empire, said to the people of Israel, because God had stirred him, return back to your place, rebuild your temple so that your God may be worshipped and honoured. That's what he said, and that's what we saw beginning last week. And we saw how God stirred the people and he supplied them with the resources they needed to kickstart uh, the restoration project. Product, uh, project. And now in chapter 2, uh, we actually see uh, the first wave of people returning back to Israel. Um, it's a very detailed list. It's a list of names and people. Uh, and so on one level, it can seem rather dull. Uh, for you and I as we read this. But for the, the, the people of Israel, as they read the history books, this is incredibly exciting because this is a list of the first wave of people back to the homeland to begin the restoration project. project. And as, as we'll see uh, on a closer reading, uh, we will see these three outstanding features of the community on mission, three traits. The first, as I've said already, is that they are full of what we're going to be calling the pioneering spirit. The, the, the restoration community is full of pioneering spirit. What does that mean? It means here we have a group of people uh, who are forging ahead uh, with God's plans. They, are, they have been stirred by God and they are going ahead. They are obeying, obeying him. Don't forget, um, as we saw last week, those who were stirred uh, were allowed voluntarily to go back to, uh, to Jerusalem. There was no requirement for everybody to go back. Um, they could have stayed in the relative comfort and familiarity of, of Babylon. And so the, this group of people that we see listed in Ezra chapter 2 are, are full of this pioneering spirit. Courage. I'm going to have a go. We're going to listen to God. We're going to forge forward. We're going into the unknown. We have no idea what might happen to us. Yes, of course, these people had the big picture. They knew that God had called them and stirred them to restore worship. They knew they had the promise, promises of the prophets, God's word to his people through the prophets of age, of, of the ages. You know, God is going to restore you. He's going to bring you back. He's going to uh, remodel you and use you again. They had those big pictures in place. 
But the details of how they would go about doing that remained completely, at this stage, completely unknown. So, so we have this group of people stirred by God, full of faith, with a big vision for what God had called them to do. Just imagine, though, for a few moments, that the, the, possibly the scenes that met them when they eventually made that long journey uh, over a period of weeks back to Jerusalem again. Scenes of destruction. Uh, because that's how the Babylonians left Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, Fifty years previously, uh, the Babylonian forces had completely wrecked Jerusalem and the temple. And so the people, this, this pioneering community on mission, saw nothing as, except a bunch of broken down towns, uh, deserted areas, overgrown foliage, um, the temple itself, of course, laid in ruins. The army of Babylon had seen to that. They'd burned it. Uh, what was left of it, they were smashed into pieces. There would be rocks strewn around all over the place. You know, moss covered the rocks. Maybe a bit of graffiti. You could just about make out where the temple used to be, but the rest of it was, uh, was, was, was uh, open to the elements. Maybe you have um, gone out for a, a stroll uh, or a walk around one of these old ruins that we have dotted around uh, our country. Um, I've, I've been to, maybe you've been to Nendrum, uh, the old monastic site in County Down, and you sort of wander around these old um, brick foundations, or Mavilla Abbey, perhaps. Uh, one of the, the uh, standout um, structures that we have in Belfast, I believe, is the, is the Carlisle Memorial Methodist Church, just at the foot end of the, the Crumlin Road. Uh, it's an imposing building. At, at one stage, it was one of the largest, if not the largest, churches in all of Ireland. And now if you drive past it, either on the West Link or on the way up to uh, the Crumlin Road or the Antrim Road, you'll see it there, a crumbling mess. It has hoardings around it to prevent people from getting in and injuring themselves. Um, they, they may as well put up a sign to say God was formerly worshipped in this building. At once a glorious structure to the praise of God and now broken. Windows are smashed and the only life that's going on in the church as it stands, is that it's a home for pigeons and a place for rodents. And imagine that on a much greater scale now. We're talking of an entire city in that kind of state when the people went back to Jerusalem. And yet, they had this pioneering spirit. The, their calling was clear. The challenges were huge. And yet God stirred them and supplied them. They were the pioneering community on mission. And, you know, I, I, we saw that same pioneering spirit at the outset of our time together at Foundation Church Belfast, right back at the beginning. We had a clear and we have a clear calling from God. And, 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 and like the Israelites, the challenges were significant. And yet people were stirred and God supplied the resources that we needed in order to form ourselves as a church. In fact, one, uh, for me anyway, one of the clear factors in giving the, being given the green light for starting Foundation Church Belfast was the gathering of a group of people coming together who possessed this pioneering spirit that we see here. The, the formation of a community on mission that God was doing. He was bringing these people together. And Foundation Church Belfast began as a group of people with a vision for what God wants to do and they joined the team. 
And they said to one another, and we said to one another, look, we don't see the details here. We can't see the step-by-step -step program of how God is going to do this. But we are excited about the vision of what God wants to do in and through and around us. So let's go. And so we joined together. And together as a team, we planted Foundation Church Belfast. And so if you're listening to this message and you were one of those first group of people stirred uh, by God and his Holy Spirit, then can I say personally to you, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking that step of faith. Thank you for, for daring to dream about God, what God wants to do and can do when a group of people come to him and submit to him and listen to him and, and obey him. Thank you. Thank you for serving wholeheartedly. Thank you for, for giving your time and your money to the cause to enable ministry to begin. But you know that pioneering spirit that we saw at the beginning of Foundation Church Belfast still continues. We're, we're still in that pioneering phase as a church. In fact, I am more certain now than I have ever been that God is using us at Foundation Church Belfast to bring his kingdom powerfully as we serve and as we take steps in faith in our service to, to one another and to our city. The calling uh, remains strong. And so we need to be a people uh, of faith, of vision, and most definitely of courage, like the people in Ezra, chapter 2. We've gone through this period of, of restriction uh, and effectively of exile in this time of lockdown. But yet God is, I believe, using this time for us, he's certainly using it for me, to refresh our vision, to uh, reorient and, and, and remind us of who we are and what we're here to do, so that when we do get back to this meeting, this gathering together, once again, we get back with renewed zeal and hunger and a power as God's Spirit works through us. And if you're listening to this message today and, and actually you're, you're sort of looking in from outside, you're looking into Foundation Church and asking what we're about and what we're like and what's the pastor like and all that stuff, you, it's important that you know this, that we are a group, an eager group of pioneers. We are hungry for God and, and, and for his kingdom uh, and we're hungry to see that come to pass in Belfast and beyond. We want to know his kingdom, his power, his glory. We want to see that coming. And if that excites you, and if you want to be a part of that, then join us. But listen, we, we, we never want that pioneering spirit to leave us. This is not just a phase or a part of our history that eventually gives way to something else. We always want to be pioneering, to possess this pioneering spirit as a church. It's not just a phase, but it's a trait. It's a value. It's part of who we are. And so as, as a church together, we are always going to be asking ourselves, what's next? We're always going to be looking and asking, what is God leading us to do? What, what, what does he have for us next? What is he saying to us as a community? And how must we obey him right here and right now? Where shall we plant our next church? What area shall we reach into? What, what ministry must we start? We're always going to be asking these questions because we have and will retain this pioneering spirit as a church. 
And so if you are looking in to Foundation Church, may I um, warmly warn you, if you're looking for a comfortable church, uh, one that's predictable, if you're looking for the safe option, then that is not us. That is not us. Yes, we will care for one another and people who come and join to our community. Absolutely. We will show grace to one another completely. We will encourage one another. We will strengthen one another. But at our very heart, we are a community on mission. And we will always possess this pioneering spirit. If that excites you and you want to be a part of what God is doing with us, we'd love you to join us. So the first thing we see in Ezra chapter 2 is that the community on mission has a pioneering spirit. But secondly, then we see that the second trait is diversity of makeup. Uh, A community on mission is diverse. Careful reading of of Ezra chapter 2 will will make this clear. It is a diverse community. Uh, The community on mission, uh, both then and now in the local church, is to be built with all sorts of people can be built with all sorts of people, people from different backgrounds, different callings, different giftings, and added together, that makes the community on mission, the diverse community on mission, powerful. It makes it effective. It makes it uh, enriching for all who are part of it. Let me show you what I mean here down in Ezra 2. Uh, It starts off this great list of peoples, about 70 or so verses in Ezra chapter 2. It begins by mentioning the the leaders, the leadership of the entire group um, returning back to to Jerusalem. And we see civic leaders. uh, We see religious leaders. So leadership. Secondly, then we see from the second half of verse 2 right through to verse 35, it lists the men. It says the men of the people of Israel. And And it gives precise and exact numbers of people uh, numbered by their clans. Uh, and so we have to remember that when, when, when it says men of, men of, men of, and various numbers and names and all that, it's referring to families. Great you know, groups of families would have returned back to the Wild West from Babylon to Jerusalem. I mean, how brave were they? Can you, can you imagine as a family being called to uh, such a place? With, with such uncertainty and nothing but hope and faith in your heart for what God is going to do. Well, that's exactly what we see. And there's hundreds and hundreds of families that answered the call. That's, that's amazing. They left the comfort of Babylon back to the obscurity of their homeland. So families. In verses 36 to 42, then we see priests and Levites being mentioned. These are, these are people who were called and, and chosen by God to, to lead the people in worship to God. Uh, to perform worship to God in, in some circumstances, to facilitate and prepare and, and uh, administer worship to God. That was what their role was, all about worship. I love verse 41. Uh, it gives a shout out to uh, verse 41, the singers, the sons of Asaph. Music was so important to the worshipping community. And it says there that um, 128 sons of Asaph, the, the singers, accompanied the the returning community <clears throat> so we had them and then verses 43 to 56 the temple servants uh, were, were listed the grafters you know the laborers 
those people who turned up and said, you know what, just give me a job. I'll put my hand to anything. I don't care if it's even sweeping the floor or collecting up the bricks. I'll do it. The servants of the temple. This community of people uh, was composed of those from high rank and low society. We had priests and bricklayers, uh, educated scholars and woodworkers who had learned their trade in the family business. We, We had singers and servants, powerful families, and those who came from a very obscure and humble background. Can you see this diversity that's already listed uh, within the returning community on mission? But it's important. There's one other thing I need to point out. As you read through the list, it becomes clear, uh, the more you look into it, that there is quite a lot of non-Hebrew names in the list. Why is that important? Well, it's important because the returning community, the community on mission, included those who were outsiders at one point, were foreigners, they, they were not of the ethnic people of Israel, but, but, but at some point in the past, they had been received into that community. They had been grafted in from outside. They became part of the covenant people, God's chosen people, the community on mission. And as such, they too, along with everyone else, were stirred by that same stirring of the Holy Spirit. They all shared together this vision of the restored temple for worship, They all wanted to labour and pull in the same direction to to build a name for God and his glory once again. You know, the New Testament shares a very uh, exciting vision, the same vision, a greater vision for diversity within the local church. It too has a great picture of how it should be, uh, of, of racial or ethnic diversity within the local church. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul highlights when when he's writing to the non-Jewish Gentile uh, believers in the city of Ephesus, he says to them, look, remember, um, at one point, God's special relationship was reserved just for the children of Israel, for the Jews. But now, because of Jesus, the door has blown wide open For you, you outsiders, you foreigners, you strangers, to come in to know God, to access him and to receive his blessings just like the old covenant people of Israel. Let me read to you here from uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, Paul writes in his letter, he says, Jesus has broken down in his flesh, that is in his body, on the cross, the dividing wall of hostility. Then it goes on to say, therefore, through him, that is Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we both have access to the ones in the one spirit to the Father. Therefore, he says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. You are saints. You are members of the household of God. This great vision that we see begun in Ezra chapter 2 is carried on and magnified through the gospel of Jesus into the New Testament. And Paul is saying this must be demonstrated and received and and, uh, magnified in the local churches, this side of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because of the power of the gospel, there's going to be peace between you and God and forgiveness and restoration. Wonderful. Thank God. But Paul goes on to show there will therefore be peace between you and me 
because of the good news and the power of the gospel. Between you and me, between my family and your family, my tribe and your tribe, my country and your country, there will be peace. That's how it should be in the local church. And folks, how, how badly needed is that message today when, when we look at all the, the, uh, the trials and the, the challenges that are happening just now on the subject of racism and these uh, you know, uh, problems that we're seeing, these great reactions. How important, how badly needed uh, is this message of reconciliation through the gospel of Jesus as fleshed out and lived out by the church? That's why we say here at Foundation Church Belfast, by the way, that we are gospel-centered because we recognize and, and receive and rest on the power of Jesus to overcome the evil of racism in all its forms. Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Let's not put it up again. The New Testament shows that we should uh, see uh, racial and ethnic diversity within the church but also a diversity of roles and giftings and, 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 and abilities within the local church, the, the community on mission. Paul, again, the Apostle Paul, uh, writes that uh, we all have the same Lord, we all have the same Holy Spirit, and yet uh, the Holy Spirit gives different manifestations of his gifts and of his power through the church. And it's going to be different depending on who you are and what God has chosen to do with you. Uh, he, he says this in, in, in Romans chapter 12, among other areas. Uh, you know, we are many members, but we don't have the same function. Uh, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Uh, for some of us, we have the gift of prophecy. If we have, then use that in proportion with our faith. If the gift of serving, then in our service. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, that is, encourages in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He's saying and showing that there's going to be different manifestations of that same spirit, great diversity of gifting and calling and role within the local church. And we need you, we need all of you, says Paul, with your pioneering spirit to use these gifts to serve and to build up the community on mission because that makes much of Jesus Christ. Two applications to this uh, teaching of the diversity of the community on mission. Number one, knowing that the community on mission is diverse means that we needn't compare ourselves with one another because we're diverse. That means that God has wired us up differently he has given each person different gifts, different natural abilities, different temperaments, different ways of thinking. So therefore, we don't need to compare ourselves and we shouldn't try to compare ourselves one with another within the church. Um, that means that we can't look at other people in pride and think to ourselves, well, I'm more gifted than this person or that person. And we can't, we can't be proud like that. But it also means that we can't look at others with dejection and think, oh my goodness, I'm no way near as gifted or powerful or influential as that person. Because we know that there is diversity within the community on mission. That's God's spirit working in us. You might say, well, that's them. That's how God has wired them up. That's how he has gifted them. Praise God for the gifting and the strength of that gifting in this person over here. Praise God. But he has wired me up and gifted me differently. He may have even given me the same gift, but not just the same level or strength of that gift. And that's down to him. 
that's them. You, you be you. Let them be them. And let's together serve one another as we glorify Jesus. That's what we're all about. First of all, we don't need to compare ourselves when we know that the community on mission is diverse. Listen to God, by the way. Ask him, show me, Lord, how am I gifted? How, am I, how are you preparing me? How do you want me to serve you? And listen to his voice, listen to his calling and do what he says. Don't be worrying about what's going on around you, what other people are doing. Thank God for that. Receive that blessing, but that's not you. Only you can do what you're called to do. So knowing that we're a diverse community means, number one, that we don't need to compare. Secondly, it means um, it, knowing that we're a diverse community means that we can ask God for a new gift or for a deepening or a fuller expression of the gift that he has already given us. Jesus says in Luke, verse 11, uh, Luke 11, your father is a good father and he knows, this is God the father, he knows how to give you, O child of God, good gifts. He knows that. And you earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children and comparatively you're evil compared, you know, to, in God's scheme of things. How much more does your heavenly father who is good and great know how to give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. Gifts, by the way, and it's important to know, gifts are not necessarily permanent, nor are they fixed. Uh, you may be given a gift for a certain season of ministry and then God and may choose to give you another gift or a fresh gift or, or reignite an, a gift of your earlier years to, to serve him in a different way in your later years. He may give you a fuller expression or a deeper, more intense application of a gift that you have already received. And I'm really looking forward to uh, teaching through these things in more detail when we do gather together uh, for public uh, gatherings and worship and we teach through the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts as a church. But ask God to give you a, a new gift or a, a confirmation or a fuller um, expression of what he has already given you. There's great diversity within the community on mission. Well, we see the third and final traits of a community on mission is that it is connected. It's connected. Uh, effectively, this trait takes the first two, pioneering and diverse and solidifies them. It, it kind of roots them in the ground. Um, in Ezra chapter 2 here, uh, we see this, this great list. And yes, as we read through it, it highlights this pioneering spirit of the returning community. Uh, it marks out the diversity of that community and the diversity of its makeup. Yes, it does both of those things. But primarily, this list in Ezra chapter 2 points out who is on the team and who is actually part of the community on mission. And that's why it gives this very detailed and very specific set of numbers. It's very exact. It shows us who's in and who's out. Why is this important? Well, in all of this, we are dealing here with God's covenant people, the people that God chose and called to know him and be known by him. These are the people who God said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. We will have a special relationship between us that no one else will have with me. Just you and me. I want you, says God, to be a light to the nations. 
to declare and to demonstrate me to the world around by the way that you worship me and the way that you live according to my law. That's your role. And of course, as we've seen so far in this series, God's people were consistently unfaithful to that. And that's why they ended up in exile. A period of discipline and lessons. But God was not done with them in Babylon. He could have walked away. He had every right to do that. And yet God chose the, the, the much more difficult route for himself, the much more costly route for himself. He chose to restore his people. He chose to demonstrate uh, in no uncertain terms his grace to an unfaithful people. He, he chose to show how merciful he is, how he lavished his mercy upon them, how his promises of old can be entirely dependent, dependable. He showed them that this special relationship can be maintained and he calls his people back to that relationship. And so in Ezra chapter 2, uh, we see this community on mission and it, it exists, Ezra chapter 2 exists to show us so that we are clear that it is God's community on God's mission. It's an interesting feature um, down in verse 59 uh, through to 63. Considerable space in this entire list uh, was given to highlight a group of people who were not considered to be part of the community on mission, which is odd when you think about it, because this is all in a fairly small bunch of people, all things being considered, to go back and pull off this remarkable job of rebuilding the temple again. So you'd think that the leaders of Israel in this situation would need all the help they can get. And yet it is clear from verses 59 to 63 that there are people who were not part of the community on mission. They were not eligible to serve in the rebuilding of God's temple. And it says in verse 59, these people, uh, leaders of head, heads of uh, families and, and, and so forth, um, some priests could not, it says in verse 59, could not prove their father's houses or their descent, whether they belonged to Israel. You see, to be a part of the community on mission, according to Ezra 2, uh, people had to be formally connected. They had to demonstrate their ancestry. For, for Israel, that's what it meant. Demonstrate your ancestry or your heritage. That's how you show you're a part of the community on mission. If you couldn't do that, then you're not a part. And so we see here entire groups of priests excluded from service until it could be precisely determined. And until that time, their ministry was put on hold and they were asked to, to wait for a time. In the New Testament, um, in the New Testament church, the, the community on mission is not defined by your descent, you know, uh, in the family tree or your heritage or your lineage. That's not how you enter the community of mission in the New Testament, the church. Instead, it is clear, abundantly clear that, that it is all about faith in Jesus. It is about seeing Jesus, understanding him, what he did, and understanding that what he did on the cross was for you, and, and choosing to, to trust that that was for you, and have faith in Jesus. You needed that for forgiveness. You needed Jesus to do that for you, so you could be forgiven, to have your sins forgiven, and to be given life everlasting. And you receive that only through faith in Jesus. That's how you enter. 
You see, the, the community on mission in the New Testament church is marked or affirmed in two ways. Um, we have two signs given to us. First is the sign of, of baptism. Baptism is a sign of your uh, new birth, as the New Testament puts it, your new life in Jesus, your spiritual resurrection from being spiritually dead in God's eyes to being spiritually alive in Jesus Christ forevermore. And, and, and baptism is given to publicly recognize you as being raised from the dead in Jesus and added to his body, the local church. So baptism first, and then the second sign that we're given uh, to, to mark or affirm our, our membership in the community on mission is the Lord's Supper, otherwise known as communion or, or Eucharist. It all amounts to very much the same thing, the bread and the wine given to the church to remind ourselves of Jesus' sacrifice and what he uh, came to do and shall do in the future, the bread and the wine. You know, baptism has been often likened to the, the marriage ceremony. It's, it's a one-off. Uh, it, it is a public recognition and a validation of a beginning of a new life together. And so baptism is very similar to that. Communion, on the other hand, is the anniversary celebration. It's the, it's the, it's the wedding anniversary. It's the, it's the great family celebration and is an ongoing thing. It is the ongoing refreshment and reminder of your membership, your role within the community on mission, baptism and Lord's Supper. And together, those two signs affirm you. They, they, they mark you. They remind you of your, your membership and, and, uh, and your place, your connection to the community on mission. The community on mission, as we see in Ezra 2, and in the New Testament church is a connected community. As we draw things to a close in this message, I want to fi finish with a, a challenge for those of you who are, who are listening in. I want to ask you, are you connected, deeply connected to a community on mission? To, to a diverse body of people who are full of this Ezra 2 pioneering spirit variously gifted and equipped to serve one another and show the gospel of Jesus to the world? Are, are you connected to a community on mission? Are you deeply rooted? Do you have a group of people who are together with you on mission? You say, these are my people. I am for them. I am with them. And together we are serving Jesus in our community and in our city. God is clearly building such a community on mission at Foundation Church Belfast. And we would love you to take your place in that community. There is a place for everyone, irrespective, as we've been saying, of your background, of your family, of your experiences, of your knowledge. There is a place for you. There's a place for you to come and take a front row seat alongside us as we watch and experience what God is doing among us, how he is bringing his kingdom to Belfast and Ireland and beyond. And we can be a part of that at Foundation Church Belfast. If you would like to take further steps into joining with us as a community on mission, here are three things, three steps that you can do as we close out. Number one, if you haven't already, number one, start looking in intentionally. Or rather, start intentionally looking in. What I mean is start 
learning, start connecting on social media, start listening to previous talks or watching previous videos. Uh, start looking in, start gathering information, drop us a line. Why not through social media or through email? Start communicating, get the ball rolling because we want to be ready to welcome you uh, to our community as soon as we might gather together in person. We'd, we'd love you to get the ball rolling. We'd love to talk. Number one, start intentionally looking in. Step number two, after you've done that, start attending in person. Just drop by and say hi when we start gathering and you'll see that on social media. Come and taste and see because there's only so much you can learn as an outsider looking in and you can read the blog posts and you can listen to the sermons and that you'll, you'll pick up a lot. But there is nothing like coming along, taste and see, sit in with us and, and, and experience what it's like. Come and, come and taste the vibe. Sunday gatherings, we hope and pray, will resume soon. In fact, that's why I've started this series now in faith that by the time we're finished, we will be able to get back together. We can, in the meantime, we have online uh, services. We have our online alpha course. Um, we'd love you to join one, one of those things. But start attending in person, step number two, when you're given the choice. Thirdly and finally, connect and commit. Connect and commit. If you need baptizing, We'll baptize you. We'll bring you into membership of the body of Christ at Foundation Church Belfast. We will celebrate Jesus with you in the Eucharist, aka communion. So come and join with us. Connect and commit and plant your flag in with us and say, yes, I'm with you. We are together on mission. I will serve. You serve me. Well, together we serve Jesus. Come and join us as we declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus as we push back the darkness in his name, as we live as light to the world. Connect and commit.